Now he said sick'em boy. But what I heard was chopper sick balls. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Next seminars up June 9th through the 11th, then August 11th through the 13th. For training camps on the list, we have two self-sufficient lifter camps, one on May 13th in Wichita Falls, and then one on May 20th in Omaha at Testify Strength and Conditioning. Both those cover the squat, the press, the deadlift, how to film yourself, and how to diagnose your own technique. We've also recently added a lift shoot fight camp back on the list. That's a two-day camp on July 8th and the 9th in Wichita Falls, covering all the lifts, some handgun work, and some combatives. Then we've added some new squat and deadlift camps to the list, as well as some spots still available in the following camps. April 30th in Baltimore at 5x3, May 21st in Chicago at Starting Strength Chicago, June 11th on Long Island in Babylon, New York, Cincinnati at Starting Strength Cincinnati on June 17th, and Singapore at Hygieia Strength on June 18th. And we've just added a three-lift camp to the list that's covering the squat, the press, and the deadlift in the UK. That's going to be in Manchester, England on May 21st. And I'll continue to remind you guys, Starting Strength Gyms are still looking for talent. So if you're looking to make a career change, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com. Check out the coaching tab, see what the criteria is, fill out the form, get your name on the list, and who knows, might have a new career. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, Starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. Uh, we're glad to have you with us again on the podcast. And we're also very, very happy that Dr. Mike Whitmer has decided to join us today. Uh, Dr. Whitmer runs a, a clinic in St. Louis. And uh, over the past couple of weeks, it has come to our attention that the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, has decided to revisit their rules on telemedicine. Now, this is a this is a terribly important subject. the 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 DEA does not operate under what you would call statutes. They do not issue statutes. They are not the Congress. They do not pass laws. They merely issue regulations, which are, for all intents and purposes, laws. They're not elected. No one has given them any of the um, power to do this. But over the, over the past 40 or 50 years, this bureaucracy has grown to the point where an agency like that is uh, essentially operating any way they want to. And uh, this this revisitation of the telemedicine uh, regulations poses some interesting questions for testosterone replacement therapy. And we're going to talk to Mike about that today. Mike, thank you again for being with us. My pleasure. So tell us uh, exactly what the hell is going on here. Well, that's a big ask. I can tell you yeah. what I think. All right. Um, I don't know. You want me to go towards the beginning of where all this started with this regulation? Sure do. This really came on after the 1988 Olympics when uh, a Canadian – beat a United States uh, track and field athlete named Carl Lewis. That's uh, when Ben Ben Johnson Johnson, uh, ratted everybody out on on the presence of anabolic steroids in sports, which had been going on for 30 years prior to that. And uh, And they've been talking about testing for it before then, but that really got everybody's attention, I think. Oh, I remember that very clearly. If you remember yeah. the way the news media treated that, um, the assumption by the news media was that anybody 
who was taking anabolic steroids could beat Carl Lewis in a hundred meters. Yeah. Anyone, all you had to do was take Dianabol and you could beat Carl Lewis and everybody just swallowed that. It's amazing. Do you remember in weightlifting the Bulgarians? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, uh, Blagojevich and all those guys on that team in the 88, uh, Olympics they pulled out halfway through because all their uh, lighter weight guys got pop positive for a diuretic. Yeah. And prior to that, they used diuretics to mask anabolic steroids in the urine test. Right. And they didn't know that the diuretics were being tested. Right. And if you were taking those, it would disqualify you. So in the middle of the Olympics, uh, I think it was after the middleweights or maybe the lightweights even, they just went home. So none of their heavier <laughs> lifting was because yeah. they knew what was going to happen. Well, so they were taking Lasix to, to dilute the urine to the point where the, yeah, oh, it, they yeah. had to make weight. You know, that was the time-honored role of Lasix in in sports is to make weights in weight-class sports. And uh, they, uh, I do remember that. That was an interesting, <laughs> the, it was. The, the Bulgarian coach goes, hang on, wait, they're testing for Lasix too? Oh, yeah. Shit. Oh, shit. We, we, we just screwed this up real bad. <laughs> we got to get out of here. So they just withdrew. Yeah. Well, our Congress got involved following that. Of well, course. of course. It's just too delicious to leave it alone. They were going to uh, eliminate cheating with anabolic steroids and get it out of the sport and out of the schools and, uh, the idea was to make anabolic steroids a controlled substance with uh, harsher penalties uh, for using it and selling it, uh, making it more difficult to get. And uh, that way uh, they could do something good for the children. And uh, <laughs> that's what happened. Oh, yes. You know, anabolic steroids yeah. treated the same way they treated opiate and analgesics. Dianabol. Yeah, is a Schedule Three drug when under no circumstances should it have been a Schedule Three drug. It doesn't do anything even remotely similar to any of the other Schedule Three drugs. Yet politics, as usual, trumped intelligence and the truth. The truth is a scarce commodity these days. And, yeah, it started back then, didn't it? Yep, and interestingly enough, at that time, the DEA, the FDA, the AMA, oh, National Institute for Drug Abuse, all had representatives involved, and they all said, don't make antibox steroids scheduled controlled substances. But Congress went ahead and, and did it anyway. It anyway. Yeah. Well, they're after votes. <laughs> yeah. So this is something that might look good back home. The, the wonderful Senator John McCain was right in the middle of that, wasn't he? I remember he that pompous asshole sitting on that committee where they dragged Barry Bonds in in front of him and just whipped him like a mule over this shit. It was just yeah. amazing. That was that was not associated with the Olympics thing, but uh, it, 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 uh, Joe Biden was a major sponsor of that bill at that time, too. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's shocking! <laughs> Who would have thought that would be the case? I wonder if yeah. Bo has ever taken steroids. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, well, you know what happens with supply and demand and market principles. You know, <laughs> yeah, anabolic steroids became a huge black market, and it just exploded. Yeah, the black no market. one knew anything about it until all of the news media spent a solid month at five thirty every evening on the news telling. Every 14-year-old kid in the United States 
that all you have to do is take anabolic steroids and you too can beat Carl Lewis in athletics. Now, what do you think that did? This is, you know, so anyway, they created this entire situation by doing that very thing, didn't they? Yep. And then, of course, uh, later on, it didn't help. Uh, You you may have heard of the Ryan Hyatt Act. Uh, That was, uh, I believe, around 2008. An 18-year-old was uh, able to get some prescription Vicodin from a doctor online, and he ended up overdosing. And that's when they established this Ryan Hyatt Act, uh, which was focusing on the abuse of painkillers and opioids and trying to keep those you know, out of the hands of uh, patients that might do something uh, and harm themselves. Mm-hmm. There is also uh, a high school football player in Texas, no less. I, you guys take football pretty seriously down there, don't you? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, he... Uh, of course, wanted to put on some body weight for his senior year and uh, get his bench press over 300 pounds. And he started taking antibox steroids and did very well. The, the problem was when he stopped using them, things kind of crashed. And that'd be hard to handle as a teenager. Uh, nobody wants to get weaker and lose muscle. And he had some real problems that wound up committing suicide. Right, and his parents got involved, and uh, and of that, course they had no culpability at all in this. No, 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 no. It was just the yeah. it was just the Diana board. right? Well, I think you always look to blame something when something bad happens, and sure, yeah. uh, it's tough. And they blame the steroids for him killing himself. Right. Uh, but nonetheless, it. Uh, it got us to where we are now with the uh, Controlled Substance Act that we have that involves uh, our testosterone and, and other anabolic steroids. Uh, well, let's let's the, stop right there just a second. Let's <clears throat> explain the difference because there is a profound difference between testosterone, whether it is the cypionate salt, propionate, and anthate, any of those salts of testosterone, and what is technically referred to as an anabolic steroid. They're different things. Explain that for us. Yeah. Uh, when you and I talk about anabolic steroids, uh, we think of Dianabol and Winstrol and Anavar and Mestrolone and Tremble. I mean, there's dozens of them. Right. Uh, those are synthetic derivatives of testosterone. The, the molecules aren't a whole lot different, but they're different. They're different in, in, in that they can be taken orally, whereas testosterone cannot be taken orally. Correct. And, and That's one of the differences. Yes. Yeah. Now, testosterone is an anabolic steroid, but it's a natural hormone that we produce within our own bodies we are actually supposed to have it. And I think part of the problem with the way testosterone is looked at by mainstream medicine, if you will, is we, we know that the synthetic antibox steroids have some downsides. They, they can be hard on your liver, your kidneys, your lipids. They can raise your cholesterol, lower your HDL cholesterol. So therefore, antibox steroids are not healthy testosterone being an anabolic steroid is guilty by association. Right. And they throw testosterone in the same bucket when in fact the opposite is true. Yes. I had a a thing I printed out here someplace. It's laying around on the floor someplace. Uh, The DEA is actively conflating testosterone supplementation, TRT, with the use of anabolic steroids. I have two pieces of paper in here that describe anabolic steroids. And in the same breath, with the same very broad brush, testosterone is thrown into the mix. And it's they're not yeah. the same thing. But because the Congress called them the same thing, even though that is not the truth, then... The DEA proceeds 
from the assumption that what they can do is 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 invest on top of the horrible associations with you know Lyle Alzado and everybody else that that anabolic steroids have and paint TRT with that same broad brush and that's exactly what they're doing. So we've got this uh, Ryan Hate Act, which uh, thanks to the public health emergency in 2020 due to COVID was suspended. And there were some exceptions to the act that allowed for just that. And they opened up telemedicine and uh, included controlled substances in it, whereas before they had not been included. Uh, That was a uh, limited time exemption. The thinking that I had when this was beginning was that this will be permanent. The uh, telemedicine had been going on anyway uh, at a a lower level, but it uh, was very successful. Patients liked it. Doctors liked it. It was very convenient. And it was gonna, it was working. And I thought, well, if it's okay to let this be a, a legal thing during a health emergency, why wouldn't it be okay just to have it? Period. Right. And I mean, my think of the think of the wonderful things it does for the environment. Yeah. Keep people from driving to the doctor. Right. If I've got to drive to St. Louis to see you. You know, what's my carbon footprint in a situation like that? That's need We need to keep that in mind. That might come in handy at some point. Well, you know, I'm old school. I, I like the office visit. I'd much rather be sitting across from the table with you in Wichita Falls than doing sure. this. But, you know, in talking to patients over the last few years, I ask them. Even local people do telemedicine. Right. Yeah, they don't want to drive across town if they don't have to. Do. They have to park in a parking lot, um, right. walk into a building, go up an elevator, and all that. I've had guys do it while they were driving. I'm not sure that's a good idea. I had some. I've had semi truckers driving with their phone right. on the dash doing the consult. Again, I, I don't think I'd recommend that. But and, and what is really what like is it. the downside? Because this is the critical question here, isn't it? What is the downside of telemedicine? Is there one? I don't know what it would be. I I just don't. uh, Well, especially with what we do, which is based on labs and symptoms, which we can communicate that even on a phone call. We don't have to do a Zoom call. But uh, no, it's been working very well. So now with this uh, exemption expiring, the DEA is looking at going back to what they had before. Uh, And and with probably some changes right now, I am really not that concerned that it'll be that horrible for us, uh, if at all. There are other well, psychiatry, uh, addiction medicine, pain management—they're uh, going to be affected on by this more than we probably would. There's a lot of people involved. Uh, the American Hospital Association, over 500 hospitals, they're against disallowing telemedicine. Uh, Kaiser, probably the largest HMO in the country, they're against disallowing it. They like it. Uh, of course, for them, it, it's probably more cost effective for their sure. utilization of the doctor's time. Yeah, um, it saves them money. There's no doubt. Yes. So we've been looking at advance, try to get ahead of this as much as we can. And I think it's just so unpredictable that uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. There's been a lot on the internet, uh, there have been a record number of contacts with the DEA. My son actually got a call from our congressman today. Uh, 
I think getting the Congress involved would probably be the best thing we could do. The DEA is going to do what Congress tells them to do. You know, they're, you know, it's like the IRS will make a law that they don't really understand. Well, not the IRS, Congress will make a law right. that's very clear and they just give it to the IRS and let them figure it out. Let them interpret to, it. In fact. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and DA is going to interpret the laws, but the Congress ultimately has a lot of control over this. And nothing's been finalized yet. They're just looking at options. And we'll just have to see how it plays out. I think uh, a possibility is that testosterone will be unscheduled uh, or at least downgraded uh, from where it is now. Right. And, uh, it, and it, ironically, I don't know if you know this, because uh, we didn't get to talk beforehand, the trans women are oh, not yeah. very happy with testosterone. I'm sure that's true. They, and well, they've is. got more uh, political clout than we do. I mean, anything uh, they say goes right now. Yes. You know. Uh, you know, they want an easy access to testosterone. Two senators, uh, I think a guy named Harker, I'm not sure, I think maybe Massachusetts, and uh, Elizabeth Warren have written letters to Joe Biden requesting that they unschedule testosterone are you and serious elizabeth warren yeah. did something useful this is extremely difficult Maybe. to believe wouldn't it be ironic yeah. if uh testosterone was easier for men to get because women wanted it because because elizabeth warren wanted it. yeah oh god but if they could separate testosterone from opioids, that's really the thing. It should never have been uh, in the same sentence anyway, obviously. But if, if this right. is what it takes to reschedule testosterone, then fine, let's do that. So what is the, what is the state of the law right now? Is the, is the telemedicine was uh was permitted back in 2020 as a way to cope with the pandemic uh and to to keep people from having to go to the doctor's office to um to you know be seen by a physician and uh as a way to get prescriptions over the phone so the deadly pandemic wouldn't be transmitted from one person to another in the doctor's office right so Right. Was there a was there a statute passed that permitted that, and does that statute sunset? Is that what the situation is right now? Yeah, that, that's what's happened. Is the exemption is expiring, and uh, that's where we are today. When does and, it expire? Uh, I I don't know the date. I think maybe maybe May fifteenth. I'm not the, sure. I've, later so this dates. year, right? If it's going to be later, there'll be a six-month extension uh, from, for whatever they're going to wind up doing. So let's say they just flat out say testosterone is illegal. You can't ever use it again. That, that, that's not going to happen. But uh, you'd have a six-month extension for patients to figure out something else. And uh, we're pretty confident that we'll find a way that we can continue it, it may involve different things. Maybe you'll have to be seen once in person, but that would be it. We've had that before COVID. Guys would fly in in the morning, be seen in the office, fly back in the afternoon, and uh, you don't have to go every 30 days to visit the doctor. That's one of the things that's floating around out there. A lot of people are talking about it and. uh you know, some of what's going on is, is not accurate. You know how rumors are. Oh, yeah. And my take is, uh, you know, something's going to happen. It may be really good for us. Uh, I don't think it's going to be horrible. But we're going to have to wait and see. You know what? I could be wrong. Well, it, it's very unpredictable. You Do know, you know 
that the real estate lobby is against telemedicine. Well, now let me think about that a minute. I, it, yeah. That kind of does make out. sense. The yeah. less real estate that has to be used for first one thing than another is bad for the real estate lobby. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, we all have the convoluted shit. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have an office building. Uh, well, we're in a large medical building, and we have an office in there. Uh we went in there once last year to see a guy that drove in from Louisiana because we didn't have anybody, a doctor that could cover Louisiana for us. This guy drove in and was seen in person. Uh, that's the only time we went in the office. We're still paying rent, but a lot of these telemedicine practices don't have offices. It's all virtual. Wow. So we, we at least brick and mortar office and there's, speculation that that may be a requirement somewhere down the road who knows yeah but uh you know a lot of people get into this and i, and I think if i'm a i mean if i'm the government and the real estate lobby is involved like well, what's your what do you care about guys being on testosterone and controlled substance well they want a whole bunch of doctors that are renting office space sure Sure they do. Yeah, and it's, it's so crystal clear since you, since you mention it like that, it's obvious why the real estate lobby. And, you know, those guys got a lot of money, you know, and they can grease yeah. a lot of palms, you know. Yeah. So uh, uh, how many men across the country do you think right now are on TRT? This is an important question, and I – the, the only numbers we came up with was somewhere between three and five million. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was even more. Yeah. We don't know what's going on underground. No, we never have. That's why it's underground. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, when I'm walking around going to Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever and you know, I do this for a living, so I kind of look at people and I try to guess what they're taking. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of creepy, <laughs> but you make eye contact with another guy who's in his 60s and, you know, he's got good posture. He's got some bulk to his body. He's not frail. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm 225 pounds. I, I don't look like Mr. Universe, but I don't look like a frail old man. You're not an and, old uh, man. That's the yeah, we we make eye contact and kind of, yeah, I know what you're doing. And yeah, yeah I know what you're doing, too. And uh, good for you. Right. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there like that. Right. There certainly are. There certainly yeah. are. I, I walk around and I'm in stores all the time. I do exactly the same thing. I look at who's in there and I look at their physical presence and their demeanor. And. You know, there are guys that are standing up straight that are obviously my age. And my default assumption with these guys are standing up straight. They got some upper body mass. You can kind of tell they've got traps. You know, you see the characteristic male profile. And my assumption is, well, he's, he's doing some tests. Good for him. Good for him. He feels better. He's more effective during the day. His, his health is better. He sleeps better. He has better relationships with everybody he knows as a result of his normalized testosterone levels. <laughs> I, let's not make this just about the guys. Uh, 40% of our practice is women. Yes. And you look, you look at women, and I can tell that, uh, you know, they might be 60 years old. You can tell they're older, but woman's got some muscle on her she's moving pretty well she looks very good and and uh you know we we see a lot of starting strength uh women and the stories i hear of the effect this has had on their health uh, oh it's you know, profound really it comes back to health if we really think about it uh and uh, almost miraculous uh, things have happened because they started squatting. 
you know, right. And uh, what they tell me what it's done for them, uh, you know, they get on hormones, they have their some of their youth back and they're putting on some muscle and they're, they're losing fat. Uh, you know, my God, what's wrong with that? I mean, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. It, it, one of the most profound uh, effects of testosterone on women is their is their sexual health. It's impossible to overstate the effects that testosterone has on women in terms of their sexual health. It is it is amazing what it does, and uh, and and here's another another aspect of testosterone replacement therapy that. Uh, it's really underappreciated by most medical professionals, and that is its effect on depression. You know, I have, uh, I've got a lot of friends and a lot of people I know that I have actively encouraged to get on to testosterone replacement therapy. And one of my, one of my better friends uh, was, was talking to me, three or four years ago he was talking to me about all kind of depressing things how shitty he felt and he'd had uh, gastric reflux issues for decades he was in pain all the time but he was he was just absolutely damn near suicidal he was damn near suicidal and uh he came into my office uh, one Saturday afternoon, I guess is when it was, and and he said, I, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. And he sat down in the chair and starts going on and on about, you know, this this I just can't take this anymore, and it's just, you know, if things get much worse, would would you kill me? <laughs> Yeah. And I and I said, Oh my God. All right, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna have your ass up here tomorrow evening at six o'clock. And I'm going to give you some testosterone out of my prescription. Well, what's that gonna do? I said, I don't care what you think it's gonna I'm not gonna answer any more questions. I'm not gonna discuss this with you. You're, if you ever want to speak to me again, you're going to have your ass up here at 6 o'clock. So he, you know, took me seriously, and he showed up at 6 o'clock, and I put uh, 400 milligrams of testosterone in his ass. And he complained about how the shot hurt. And I said, is there any better indication that your testosterone is low that you're complaining to me about a fucking injection? Get out of here. And I saw him again Wednesday night. He came in Wednesday night. And he walked in the door. And I I could tell by the way he was moving. I could tell. And he walked in the door, and he stuck his head in the office, and he said, you were right. 72 hours. And he's been on it ever since. And it's just, it's like night and day. And it is so profoundly beneficial for so many guys. Yet, they would rather write Prozac than testosterone. And Mike, I just, I just, you know, this just... I mean the 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 gap here is so big, you know. And I I know you've had the same stories every day, over and over and over again. And it's this is the damnedest thing about testosterone: the primary effects on men are here, and everybody wants to make it out like that. Testosterone is Viagra. That's not at all the situation yeah almost every day uh, in fact twice this morning with the uh, new guys i hear the story they went to their gp their levels were low 
but they were normal within the range. You're okay. okay. You don't need testosterone. You sound like you're depressed. I'm going to give you an antidepressant. Right. Damn near every day. Every day. If, if I've got three guys new that are men in a given day, three new ones, one of them is going to have that story. Right. Uh, there might be a day where I don't have it, but uh, it's extremely common. It's it's normal to hear that story. Enough, they just don't want to take a, an antidepressant. And uh, I'm not saying they're not necessary sometimes, but uh, I don't. I just don't see it with these guys when they get on testosterone. Life is good again. Yeah, and it's it doesn't take six months for life to be good. No, and there aren't any side effects like there are from Prozac and yeah. any of these other SSRIs. I mean, those things have profound side effects. Yeah. and uh, and you can't just get off of those after you've been on them six months. You can't just get off of them and be normal the next day. You know, yeah, it's kind of scary. It's, it, it's scared it, the hell out of me. I would, I, I just, no, there's no circumstances under which I would subject myself to that. There aren't any circumstances. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, I've talked to a couple of psychiatrists about this. And uh, I say, why do you guys not write testosterone for, you know, a 55-year-old male comes into your office and he's reporting symptoms of depression? And and why don't you try the testosterone first? And what I have been told is, well, there's no there's no evidence that testosterone you know has a positive effect on depression. I said, well, what do you mean by evidence? That's a terribly important question, isn't it? What do you mean by evidence? The phenomenology is that it always has a positive effect on depression. And the fact that there is not a paper in Lancet to that effect does not mean that testosterone does not have a positive <laughs> influence on, on, on depression. You know, and it just, we just have given up, doctors have stopped thinking quite some time ago. And I mean, I know you see well, this as well. Data it's, driven. It's just you know. According to the data. Yes, according to the data, and who controls the data? Well, that's an interesting question. Isn't it? Uh, well, just going through the recent health emergency, we the public has learned a lot about data and statistics. The public has learned a lot about the medical services industry over the past three mm -hmm. years, the medical services yeah. industry is just another industry. And this is, there are too many self-serving guys, uh, in, in this position of authority. And, uh, I mean, if you are, uh, if you're sitting in a doctor's office, with a guy on the other side of the desk that says, well, your blood came back and your the reference range for testosterone is something like 870 over, over 210. And, uh, and, uh, you, uh, are 220. So you're normal and you don't need any testosterone. And you say to yourself, well, after all, he is a doctor. You know, I mean, at what point does it become incumbent upon the patient to do the job that his doctor is not doing? This is that's a terribly important question, isn't it? Because, you is. know, I mean, we're, we're, we're supposed to be good patients. We're supposed to do what we're told. Right. And, um, but if. You've got some guy telling you to do something on the basis of a 45-second conversation he has with you in his room. And you do it anyway, even though it makes you feel like shit. How many guys are on statins because of that? 
They feel like shit. They, they all they all feel like absolute shit. And they keep taking them anyway because the doctor told them to take the statin. It's just it's just I mean we've got we've got a, a terribly dysfunctional relationship between the medical services industry and the general public at this point. It's a terribly dysfunctional relationship. And uh I don't know what you do. Well, TRT, I think it's changing. TRT indicates that it's changing. This is one of the better aspects of of testosterone replacement therapy is that I, as a patient, go to you and I say, I have heard that this might help me. This is the way I feel. These are my symptoms. And you check my blood and those are the signs, right? Signs, symptoms, two different things. All right, you you check the signs, I report the symptoms. But at my I'm the initiator, right? I have agency in this relationship. And I have come to you and you respond positively and you write the prescription and as a result everything is better. That teaches us things, doesn't it? That teaches patients things that they should have been thinking about before. So. Yeah, I think the word is out. Uh, a lot of uh, testosterone practices are just very thriving and exponentially growing. Yes. And uh, I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Well, unless the feds step in and fuck this up, they could do it. I could see, I mean, if here's my conspiratorial uh, side coming out. Can you see the federal government being interested in more men having lower testosterone? I can. Thought about it. Thought yeah, about I it. mean, you, you, it kind of makes you feel like alex jones to think about that but by the same token alex jones is right sometimes you know they want a compliant electorate they want a compliant bunch of people and the lower your testosterone more compliant you'll be now i don't think that's a misstatement do you probably not Hard to imagine. It is Any, hard. Hard to imagine you compliant. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, some of us are just assholes. You know, despite testosterone well, status, we're just assholes. And uh, uh, you know, I just it just it just bothers me that that would even occur to me that my government is interested in my hormone status. Well, I think, number one, they're interested in votes. Yes. Yeah, they're interested in us needing them. Right? Yeah. Well, there's a toxic masculinity culture out there. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Well, there is the perception of toxic masculinity. I don't know how much of that is just, you know, oh, better homes well, and gardens. You're the silent majority for sure. Yeah. You, know, you and I. Yeah, we're, we're, but they're more out there. They're more higher profile. We're just going about our lives. Yeah. We're, I'm not trying to be toxic to anybody that's not fucking no. with me first, no. you know. Uh I've just got my own deal that I do, and I just want to be left alone. I don't want anything from them. I've never accepted a dollar from the government. I've never asked for anything from them except to leave me alone. And I'll leave everybody else alone in response. You know, that's all I want out of my day is to be left the fuck alone. You know, I find... 
testosterone replacement therapy to have been very, very beneficial to me for a very long time. And some clown in Washington, D.C. has decided that he wants to control that, too. He wants to control that aspect of my life, too. And I, you know, I don't appreciate it. You know, the good thing about this is there's probably a lot of people that work for the DEA and that work for the FBI and all these other uh, criminal front groups for the, you know, the cabal that runs the country who are themselves taking testosterone. I don't know why they'd be any different. I don't either. Except that they want to keep it all for themselves. Or they don't want to have to deal with us. I don't know. I don't know. At any rate, you know. Well, depending on what they're doing, I hope they're on testosterone. Yeah, their judgment will be better. Going into these cartels and some of the dangerous work that they do. I, I hope they're on testosterone. Yes. Yeah. Well, interesting. Interesting. But something you said earlier is terribly, terribly important. And the boys in D.C. need to keep this in mind. That for which there is a market, there will be a supply. Right? Yes. And... Like it or not, there will be a supply. And if they if they are thinking very clearly, they can retain a modicum of control over the supply if they deschedule the stuff and just leave us alone and let us go about our business and be healthier and happier and not depressed, you know. I don't know if common sense enters into this in any way, but uh, oh God, there are practices or businesses, if you will, that uh, employ people, that uh, pay taxes, and uh, you know we have large pharmacy and uh, lab bills that you know we're paying them and they're paying taxes and you know we're contributing to this economy. Yes, and I guess. I guess they must think you shut it down. People just find something else to do and continue paying taxes. But I don't know. This has been a positive thing. It's been working. I Right now, I wish this wasn't something we were going through and, and having to deal with. The uncertainty is never comfortable. But uh, I, we just have to kind of take a wait-and-see attitude. Yeah. I would say if you want to do anything, contact your congressperson and uh, get them involved and you'll get their attention and uh, see how it plays out. Well, that's the bottom line. You know, you guys that are watching this podcast want to do something, get on the phone. Call your senator and call your congressman. This is a federal matter. Call your senator, call your congressman and tell them you are in favor of keeping telemedicine rules the way they are right now your testosterone replacement therapy has been beneficial and you want to continue with that in a legal constructive manner and uh you're all in favor of maintaining the telemedicine telemedicine regulations with the dea the way they're being administered currently and that's probably if you get if everybody watching this podcast calls their senator and their congressman, that will be very difficult for them to ignore. They actually do respond to contacts like that. They really do. So that would be my advice. Anything else, Mike? Think of no, I don't think so. I, we, my son and I, we've kind of kicked this around. We haven't sent out a mass mailing or anything to our patients. 
I, I think we just don't know enough information to really give them any kind of definitive answers. And, uh, and of course, now the word is out, and uh, we've had people asking us about it. Uh, we have every expectation that we're just going to continue. It may look different in some regard, but uh, we're, we expect we'll be able to deal with it. Well, I hope so. But I, I really I hope, hope so. You're doing a lot of good for a whole lot of people, and uh, I, I would hate to see this get all screwed up just for politics. Yeah. I really would. Interesting times, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm still positive about it. I, I do still think this is going to work out, maybe not as quickly and as easily as you would like or I would like. But uh, I, don't, I could be way off base, too. I, I just don't really know what to make of it. Uh, whenever you're dealing with these people and there's money involved, a uh, lot of money potentially, hard to tell. Well, we'll know in the next few months. And, yes, uh, we will. And even then, depending on what happens after that goes down, you can see Congress get involved in this and see more extensions and they're going to open up for more comments. Uh, that's been done before where these things went on and on. And uh, you can't have an influence. We just have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, we are going to do that. We are going to do that. Yeah. Well, Mike, I appreciate your time. Yeah, my afternoon. pleasure. And it's always my good pleasure. to talk Hopefully to you about stuff like this. And uh, our guest been Mike Whitmer. He is uh, – up in St. Louis at the Whitmer Rejuvenation Clinic. And uh, you can contact him over the Internet. What's your website URL? Uh, Whitmer Rejuvenation Clinic. Dot com, com, I think. Dot com, something yeah. like that. Easy enough to find on the web if you want to talk to, talk to him and his staff. Yeah. Uh, they're very, very good people, easy to deal with, and it's uh, we've had a very productive relationship with them. And... And I hope, sincerely hope that it continues. Yeah. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see, like Mike says. So thank you guys for joining us today here on Starting Strength Radio. And we will be on top of this. And uh, anything develops, we'll let you know. Thanks for watching today. Just keep training.